1: Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about
0: what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something
1: meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba.
0: Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast. This is episode 113 and it is called Growing a Maker Business. I'm Sandy Connery and I am joined with Jenny Barcelos. Hello. Hey, Sandy. (laughs) We're reversing roles once again because today we're going to get an update on Jenny's side hustle, her woodland alchemy business. We interviewed her, I interviewed her back in episode 81 when she was just getting started last spring. So we thought it would be a good idea to have the conversation again about Woodland Alchemy, what you did with it the past six, eight months, and a little bit about what you're planning for 2019 with it. So you ready to go?
1: Yeah, I'm ready.
0: All right. So first of all, for those who maybe didn't catch episode 81, do you want to just give us a description of what Woodland Alchemy is? What kind of business is it?
1: It's a maker business. So my it's my family business and really a business that we created for our daughter who's now six. So it's been around as an idea for about a year now at the point of this recording. And it was really created after we decided that we love being outside and we love making things from the natural world. And we also wanted to teach our daughter entrepreneurship and you know, with a software company, it's really hard to involve a small child, a young child in that process. Like there's just, it's a little over their head, I think. And so our daughter taught us how to make this amazing forest tea out of Douglas fir needles. And that really inspired the whole process. But then that led to bath salts and led to candles and now lots of other things. And so we started making stuff and we were making way too much stuff for just ourselves. So we decided to create a little farm stand at our farmer's market. And then now the rest is history.
0: Yeah, I think when we last spoke, you were just starting with the farmer's markets. I think it must have been in the spring. So I'd like to hear a little bit about how you did at those farmer's markets. How did you, how did it work? What did your daughter do while you were you know, was she helping you? What was she doing? And mm-hmm. did you enjoy the process of selling, you know, face-to-face with, with uh, consumers as opposed to our software?
1: Yeah, it was really fun. I would say we did every single Saturday market on our island every single week. I think we were the only vendor in our market that did that. And we live on a tiny island that gets a lot of tourism in the summer. And so it was really interesting to see how the economy functions here locally because we're the people that basically work on our computers in the basement and, you know, do, do... work with people from far away. And I didn't feel deeply connected to my local economy because of that. Like, I think we just drop in and we're happy to spend money here on local goods and services, but we weren't really integrated. And so it was a fascinating experience to do that. My daughter went to every single market. I actually don't think there's a single market. She wasn't there for at least part or most of the day. And in fact, most of the market, she was there for all five hours, we were open. And I, I think it was really good for her. She did a lot of helping. I mean, she was it's it was her deal. And she learned a lot. We all learned a lot. And I think we kind of fell in love with having this little project that we did together as a family.
0: And can you tell us about inventory? That's sort of an open leading question, but I just want to hear about like, I know you started with a couple SKUs and then it kind of got bigger. And I just want to hear your thoughts around how you handle inventory.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've, so I've learned a lot already in just, you know, the first year of this business. Certainly, I had never had any sort of physical product business. I had a jewelry site on Etsy when I was in law school um, and sold jewelry, but it was really small scale. And so even if you're sort of larger scale with jewelry, it's small, right? It doesn't take up very much room, like beads and little pieces of string and metal. And this business <laughs> is really different. So <laughs> it was a shock to the system. To get like crates of glass jars and like boxes of wax so heavy that I couldn't lift them, like, constantly arriving on the doorstep, week after week after week after week. So, yeah, so we got really excited. So, after we, I think, ha- had some initial success, we're like, oh, let's just reinvest everything in this business. You know, we didn't spend a whole lot to get started. The biggest expense that we had was buying a copper still from Portugal, which is amazing and was handmade. And then we ended up, of course, over the course of the summer, buying two more stills. Wait, I didn't know that. You have three stills now? Yeah, we have three stills. The big ones? No, no. We have oh. one big one and then two small okay. ones. So we have a glass. We have a smaller glass one that lo- looks like a chemistry, like a really gorgeous chemistry set. And then we have a small copper still as well. And so those are to do test batches, but also to have on display at different shows and markets. So people can see it. Mm -hmm. And can you just give us an example of some of the stuff you do? Yeah. So we distill a lot of evergreen trees. So we do Douglas fir, Western red cedar. We did a lot of wild roses. There's a great rose that grows up here called the nootka rose. And so in the spring, we did wild rose petals. And then in the fall, we did wild rose hips. We've also worked with local organic farms to grow crops, for lack of a better word for us. So we did a huge run of Tulsi, holy basil, and then also another really big run of lemon balm. And we use lemon balm in one of our pillow sprays that we make. Okay. And sorry, I interrupted your
0: thoughts on inventory. So just what you've learned about how to handle inventory.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I have a lot of metal shelves. (laughs) You can't even see them all sandy, but that what should be the master bedroom is basically a warehouse of like industrial metal shelving in my house. And so we grew kind of fast and we, cause we were constantly reinvesting in the business and we built up a lot of SKUs kind of fast. And then we, we saw what sold and what didn't sell. And so then we stopped doing what wasn't selling as well in order to focus on what did sell. But in the process, we ended up with some like jars that are too big or vials that are too small. So we have all kinds of stuff now.
0: Yeah, I remember there were so many conversations about just like you're just exasperated by like the jars and the boxes and the stuff that's just surrounding mm-hmm. you, and there's like so much chaos, and it is really hard for you to to work and to focus on the podcast or or yes. Nomstream because you're just like sitting amongst boxes, and it's just you oh know my the God. feeling is it's traumatizing. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I, it's better now. So I think I'm okay, and we have like the proper storage. And there were periods where we'd order a bunch of stuff, right? A bunch of I don't don't even want to call it inventory. It's basically like raw materials, right? And so right now we don't have a ton of raw materials because we, we made a lot of product in the fall. And so now I have finished product. And so it's all sort of stored nicely and grouped and I can handle that. But when it was like giant boxes of, you know, like 500 candle jars coming in a day, you're like, it's like six giant crates as big as me that come to bring 500 candle jars. And so <laughs> that's totally overwhelming to bring into your house and then have to unpack and find somewhere to put it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's really stressful. So actually. With the markets that
0: you did, I know that you got some exposure to other stores on the mainland and Seattle area mm-hmm. and so on. So talk to us about what that felt like to get recognition and those first wholesale orders that came in that you just didn't even expect.
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it at all. Right, so we didn't really go looking for wholesale. There's one place that I sort of casually was in a shop, and I mentioned like, "Oh, hey, how do you, how does your wholesale process work?" And then they ended up buying a pretty big order from us because we started a conversation, and I brought back. I brought back samples to show them, but for the most part, we've just been approached. Like we get approached pretty frequently, I think, because we're in a tourist destination and we are only open, you know, five hours a week in the summer on Saturdays. But people from all over the world come to where I live, and then they take the they buy product and they take it home, or they bring it home for gifts, and then people end up ordering online or. You know, their friend has a boutique or whatever. So we're actually in eight stores. I need to update our website. We're in eight stores right now, but I have wholesale inquiries like sitting in our inbox from others that I need to deal with this week. And Jenny, what's a line sheet? Oh my God, I had to figure that out. So, yeah, so those are the kinds of things, right, that you have to figure out. Like I asked you because I was like somebody's asking for this, what does that mean, Sandy? Because you have a background in retail, right? And I was like, "I Yeah, and and when somebody told me like what what was it?
0: it the terms
1: Yeah, like just all the different words (laughs) that people use in in sort of like wholesale retail environments. Like I've never worked in a store. And so I don't have any, like any (laughs) insight into how how any of this works. So I just would sort of like pretend I understood people. And then that only got me so far. And then finally, I'd be like, look, we're really new at this. This is my kid's business. Like I I just need you to explain what you're saying to me. So I've I've come a far long way. I think it's so funny when like you just brought me like crashing
0: into my past with line sheets because I'd have drawers full of line sheets for each season. And, you know, and, and for those of the, you that don't know, a line sheet is just the wholesaler's like the distributor or the 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 salesperson, they have a sheet of all of their inventory. So for me, it was footwear, and they'd have little pictures of shoes, and it would have all the colors listed, and then you could you know what widths and sizes it came in, and then you would order off those line sheets. But you had a list of all the inventory. So Jenny's like, I got
1: to make a line sheet. I don't know what a line sheet is. Every everyone keeps everyone keeps asking about it. I uh, yeah, and I found an online class that taught me how to do it.
0: Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. I forgot about that
1: with a Canva template and it was awesome. And so yeah, I have pictures of all of the things that we sell wholesale. And then I say what the suggested retail price is. And then I say what the wholesale price is and what the minimum wholesale order is. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. So it's helpful because I don't have to answer over email a bunch of questions back and Mm -hmm. forth about those, you know, those things. So So
0: I want to know more about like this. I know part of in the beginning, part of the love of of Woodland Alchemy was the creation for you, like creating Mm -hmm. new products or thinking of putting fennel in a lip butter or whatever it may be, or creating new teas and, and, you know, using rose hip to make hydrosols and so on, but doing that, you know, trying different things and making new things also expands your inventory. And they know that that from a, my retail past, that can just kill a business really fast. So, how do you balance like creating new things and trying new things without you know increasing your SKUs?
1: Well, so I think what we've started to do is to have limited edition products. And that makes sense because what we make is from plants. And even though we have evergreen trees always available, the trees shift during the seasons, right? And so sometimes... The product that comes out of our stills is really different based on the season anyway, where the tree is and how old the tree is. There's a lot of factors like how high up the branches are. So what what we started to do in the fall was to have limited editions. And so, for example, our Tulsi Hydrosol is one of my favorite products. And it's, to me, the most clarifying skin-soothing facial toner that I've ever tried. And it's a single ingredient. But I had to work with an organic farm to grow Tulsi for me. And I only ordered so many pounds of the plant, and I had I had the I got the plant the day after it was harvested, right? And then it was like multiple overnights of like nonstop running the still one weekend that we did. Mostly, my husband did that. And so there's only so much tulsi hydrosol to use to make toner, right? And so that's a limited edition thing. And so I have to tell the farm I work with in March how much tulsi I want them to grow for me, and then I'm going to get it sometime in August. And that's the way it works. And so, yeah, like there's a huge period of the year where that's not available. And so, I think that realizing that that's sort of at the the core of our business, of this business, there are things that we always can have like our candles, but basically everything else is very much limited, a limited run. Mm-hmm. And
0: throughout, so after the market on your island and you started getting some wholesale orders. But what also happened is you started you you somehow got the attention of the Christmas markets in the Seattle.
1: Well, I applied. I so I in the summer once I realized like, hey, this could be something, and I saw how much my family was in love. Like in in a way, my husband. This is like really his business, to be honest, more than mine or our daughters. Like he's t- he loves it, right? It's I wouldn't even call it a business to him. Like it's passion for him, and a, it's like a an intellectual experience and a sensory experience. Like he's really into it, and so I just realized like, hey, this is there's there may be our legs to this thing and the way we we work is different than anyone else i've ever seen that like what if we try to take this beyond our little island and so i applied for i don't know like 18 shows and then i was like maybe we'll get into one or two and then we got into like 17 you know <laughs> and so it's like oh okay and you have to pay money so i reinvested a ton of m- profit from the company into these paying these fees for these shows and then yeah, one thing led to another, right? And then we did all these shows. And so and then, you know, by doing those sh- these shows it just sort of spirals because then you get more wholesale accounts and then you get more online orders and I don't know, it's a lot. And what did it mean to you personally to get into the Renegade show? Oh my god. That meant a lot to me. That's like one of the crowning achievements of my personal life. Well, it's just like as someone who appreciates artists and makers and someone who has loved being as like a participant in those spaces forever i was an early adopter to etsy so i mean just like i think i ordered the first thing My first Etsy purchase in like 2006. Like I was super early adopter to Etsy. It was 2006 or 2007, and this these are my people. Like I love these people. Like I during law school I was like drawing jewelry designs in the margins of my law school textbooks. Like that's who I was. I've just never considered myself really an artist. If I if I think about it. So anyway, so to be admitted into like the one of the Renegade Craft Winter Markets was. Like absolutely shocking to me, and one of those things, like, wow, this, you know, this means that the thing that my family is making has value to other people, and so, like, people see it. I mean, I felt that way from all of the positive feedback we get from our customers all the time, but to see, um, just sort of like almost like a good jury of artists and makers that I respect so much, you know, give us give us that in into the show. It was it was just I don't know. Like winning the lottery. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com.
0: And so I imagine that, you know, because you're not a local store, you you have to travel around. What like I just, you know, that I'm kind of anti-retail after all my years in it. What stresses me out about thinking about what you're doing is the traveling and like the packing up and the glass. I ah. I don't
1: know how we made it through the month of December.
0: I mean, I'll just say that. You guys are both working full-time jobs. And then this is a second
1: thing. Yeah. So there are lots of weekends where I was with my daughter at one show and my husband would be at another show and this is like you know I think we had 3 weeks with no days like no weekend day nothing no days where where we weren't in shows or working or doing both on the same day. <laughs> and like the number of I think we had like six or seven overlapping days where we were at multiple markets the same at the same time. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was just one of those things like you're just you you know, it's short term. And I never would have accepted like the invitation to all the shows we got into if I knew we were going to keep getting into more, you know, (laughs) like I just, but once you accept, I feel like you don't, I don't want to let anyone in that community down. So anyway, we did a ton. We, I mean, we did what is totally crazy that no normal, like that's how we operate. That's my, me and my husband and our family, like that's our, we're intense. And so, yeah, we just went all in. So having gone through this whole season, and looking back,
0: what are you going to do differently this year for 2019?
1: Yeah. So I am scaling back on the business. I mean, to me, I am like the creative director of it. I sort of come up with the formulations and the ideas and the packaging. And and I do. Like I place the orders for all the raw materials. And I have all of that in the system at this point. But... I'm not the one running the day-to-day of it anymore. And I'm not doing the shipping because I have a lot of other things to do. And so I feel that's great because I don't like any of that. Like I don't like the, I like creating something and I don't like the day-to-day management of it. (laughs) I never (laughs) want to go to the post office ever again. It's terrible. That's how I feel. I know. I know. I hate it too. It's so bad. (laughs) I hate it too. And, And I don't, I'm not good at it. Like I'm not good at packaging things and making them pretty and, Mm-hmm. Not break. Like, so I shouldn't do that. And so, I mean, we sort of decided, like, you know, this thing goes in one of two ways. Either our family opens a shop and owns a shop, or we just have a good time, like we did last summer at our markets. And it's a weekend, it's a hobby, and which is maybe fine too. So, that's probably what we're leaning towards. And this whole like traveling saleswoman <laughs> it's thing nonsense. is not going to. for me like I'm glad I did it and it was it was ridiculous like for the other responsibilities I have in my life and the fact that like I drag my kid to art shows all weekend like they're like 10-hour days exhausting you know where I'm like selling a can selling candles like why am I doing this (laughs) and so it was just like you know it was like oh okay I did that now that works I mean I feel like if I needed to do that job I could make a job for myself doing that but why would I do that at this Mm -hmm. stage of my life I mean (laughs) Other than the experience. You mentioned to me at one point that the online
0: portion was a lot more difficult than you expected and that you might be just sticking to the local farmer's market.
1: So do you want to expand on that? Well, that's because I don't (laughs) like mailing things, Sandy. So if like maybe I will have posted something on my Instagram before this airs, probably not, but I haven't posted anything in maybe like five weeks on Instagram because every time I post something, people place online orders. And that's like... (laughs) I don't want that to happen, so I don't post on Instagram. So, that's a problem, right? So, it's it's not that... I mean, it's hard because the logistics of it are hard. Like, this is not my full-time thing, right? So, I don't have, like, a stock room with all kinds of sizes of boxes. So, if somebody orders... One candle, it's fine. But if they order three, I don't have a box that that's going to work with. So I've got to go find a box somewhere. Then I got to like, you know, I don't want to do that. You can't pay me enough money for me to want to have to go find a box for three candles. And then then that's how you have to invest
0: in all the packing materials. And it's just, yeah, it's
1: terrible. Yeah, and you know, wholesale I don't mind because most of our wholesale accounts my husband can drive to. And so he just does the drop offs like anywhere basically in our state. But then we do have we do have wholesale accounts all over the United States. Like some of them are really far away. Those ones are really hard. It's like a whole day to pack the order. So it's like, okay, there's your Saturday or your Sunday. But it's, I mean, they're financially lucrative enough that you're like, okay, well, I'm going to pack this box all day, but then I'm going to make this like <laughs> Wad of cash, so it's it's like it mm-hmm. feels fair versus like a regular internet order. Like people who order things on the internet, first of all, expect not to have to pay for shipping, and they expect to have two day shipping because of right. Amazon, right? And so for me to mail somebody two candles, it's like tw- it costs me like twenty dollars, yeah. and so I, and then all the mm-hmm. time and having mm-hmm. to go to the post office, and I know for those of Of our listeners that have online businesses that also have sell physical stuff, there are other ways to do this. And some people might not hate this as much as I do, (laughs) but I hate it. So that's helpful to know about yourself, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I also hate
0: anything to do with boxes, packing, or tape guns. I, from the shoe store, it's it's packing boxes back and sending stuff back to New Balance. And I, Oh, I can't stand it. So that is a big part for me why I was so drawn to online business because I don't have any of that. Yes, and it's so, so beautiful. much better. It's so beautiful.
1: Well, in online business, when I see a sale tick through, I'm like, yeah, oh, awesome. Um, we, did, we did work, work years, when, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then when <laughs> a Woodland Alchemy order comes through, my like my <laughs> stomach drops. And I was like, how's that going to get mailed? Who's going to mail that? And so like that, like that comes through. We just mail one day a week. I don't do it. And... Yeah, that's the way that's it works it right be. now, and it, as long as as long as it's small enough that they can get mailed one day a week, and people don't care that they have to pay the real cost of shipping, right. it's fine. Yeah, but yeah, that that's, that's how awesome. I feel well, about it. So growth either means a store or you know more wholesale accounts, which is is not outside mm-hmm. of the question. Actually, we have some really big accounts that have approached us that could come through, and then that would be great. And I think there's some of our product that would do really well. There's two grocery stores. I mean, there's, you know, there's places that that are big that could take a lot of product and that would be great. But I don't want to sell like one-off, yeah. send one-off yeah. things. No, it's,
0: it's it's good to know what your strengths are and what the best way to operate is and just focus on that. And not everyone, if you know, if you have a maker business, it doesn't mean you have to sell on Etsy or sell online or use Shopify or whatever. No. It just doesn't. So...
1: No, especially if you're like me and you make the things that you want to buy and everything I make is in glass and everything is heavy and breakable. I mean, it's like large sizes of glass jars and bottles, right? And so I love our product and it's the most joyful thing on a Saturday market to be with my family and to be selling a bag of, you know... Oil and hydrosol and candles to, to a family that or a person that is in love with the product and have that exchange in person. It's like my favorite hobby in the right. whole world, and it feels really good. But it's because I yeah. can just hand and it the transaction them. is over. And they have to figure out how to not get returns or anything like that. Yeah, Ex- yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. Well, I just want to say congratulations on a very successful season. I think what you guys have done is amazing. It's beautiful. The branding, the product. I actually have a few of your products and I don't use it very often because I like want to save
1: it because it's so, so special. Oh, no, no, I'll because I, you, then you have you to like, mail something. And that no, stuff. but I have like, I have a <laughs> box of stuff sitting because this is how bad of a person I am. It's sitting well, there like since before Christmas, but you don't, don't have, have a, a candle. candle no. Like I have, that's coming to you well, and there's some other stuff coming, but... Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, so and if any of our <laughs> no listeners want to order after something, this <laughs> you can order something. It's fine. You just it'll have get to wait you have
0: to pay for shipping. I'm just,
1: <laughs> yeah, you which just is have to pay for shipping. shipping because it costs a lot. Because like the yeah. real transaction, right? Because the reason you don't have to pay on Amazon is because those costs yeah, are Amazon broke us for the and how we
0: view the world. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny. And we may do this again because I believe there may be some changes coming this summer and we'll want to discuss those. So maybe the, the fall, we'll do part three. So let's do join Hustle. I believe you have the Joy.
1: Yes. So the Joy is actually- Oh yeah. I couldn't Christmas remember what it was you. for a second.
0: Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> and it's an apron, like smock. I don't even know what you call it. It's a linen smock, that you can wear both ways, like reversible. You can wear it sort of to make it look like an apron in the front or like this crisscross smocky thing in the front. It's the most amazing, beautiful piece of linen. It's so practical, especially because I make stuff and I'm constantly drawing and coloring and painting with my daughter. And it's great for cooking and just like being – like taking the axe outside. I didn't tell you this, I don't think, Sandy, but I got my husband a Japanese machete. Mm -hmm. For Christmas. And so like I can go out with like the Japanese machete and cut down the weeds. Oh, <laughs> my God. Smock. I've got like the whole wild, mm-hmm. you know, rural island thing going Does it on. Fit in the so pockets. It, Some of the pockets are really big. Does The pockets are huge and amazing. I can put anything in them. It's just the most useful, practical thing. Like women's clothing historically doesn't have pockets or ha- has like little tiny ridiculous
0: mm-hmm.
1: pockets, right? And so this is just a useful thing.
0: Yeah, And so I just want to mention that I purchased that at a a local boutique here. They call themselves a sustainable boutique. And it's made by a woman who designs the clothes and has them actually made here in Calgary. The company or the store is called Peace on Peace, P-I-E-C-E on P-E-A-C-E. I don't know if they ship online. I think they're probably very much in the same boat as you. It's like it's just too much work to ship one linen smock, but you could certainly contact them. Them and find out, but all of their stuff is beautiful in that store. I love that store.
1: Anyone will do anything for a price, <laughs> so if you want the smock badly enough, I'm sure there's a price that you can pay and have it That's shipped right. to you. Okay, and for the hustle,
0: you actually found this, so it is. Yeah, but we were, just, we were on it. here for a while. So the site is masterclass.com. We've mentioned it, I think, in the past. You can learn all these amazing skills from. Masters. So the one that we want to tell you about today is a documentary filmmaking class taught by Ken Burns. So I think. You know, Jenny, you were saying that even though a lot of our teachers, a lot of our our clients are yoga teachers or filming movement practice, we thought it would be really helpful to kind of get out of that thinking and look at filming in a different way. Not that you need to be, you know, have documentary filmmaking skills to teach on Namastream, but it's good just to sort of expand and just think about different
1: ways of doing things, right? Well, yeah. And for intro videos or pitch videos or any kind of video based ads that you're going to want to be creating in the future. Ken Burns goes over storytelling in this class. And I think that every single one of us could use training in how to tell our story a little bit better. There's also great modules and lessons. On music, how to, and in- the power of music and how to incorporate it and add layers of narrative depth into what you're doing, and then also editing. So, how to really hone in on that raw footage. I mean, you're not gonna do this for like your daily yoga class video, but if you're making any kind of marketing content, I think this is really helpful. And I just wanna encourage everyone. In any profession that's listening, to really think outside of the box in order to grow in your field, right? And so you're not just gonna learn from the people who are doing the same thing as you. Like the real growth and innovation happens when you go into a totally different sphere of professional influence and then you take nuggets of wisdom and you apply them to your field, right? And so this is a really good example for those of you who are creating video based content to have some fabulous inspiration from... Maybe the best documentary filmmaker that's ever lived. And if that's not your thing, you can learn tennis from Serena Williams or cooking
0: from Gordon Ramsay or learn conservation oh by Dr. Jane Goodall. Jane like Goodall. it's just the site I know. And, or Carlos Santana. Like it's just amazing the people that they got. And I was saying before we started recording that this is like the definition of success, I think, is if you get invited to buy this site to teach a masterclass on something. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm sitting here scrolling. I'm going to close it now.
1: Yeah. But but have a look. At, I mean, a lot of you listening I know are doing video-based work. And so have a look at this. See if it suits you. If it does, it looks like it would be well worth the $90 which is a lot, but this is like real deal, professional mentoring and something. So, okay. Well, thanks folks. Thank you, Sandy, for chatting with me about Woodland Alchemy. And I really do mean it. If you do want to order something, (laughs) we put our hearts into it and I'll happily send it to you, especially if I recognize your name in some way. So just know that I'm complaining because we're recording this podcast at night. And if we were recording this in the morning, I probably wouldn't be as whiny about the mail. (laughs) No problem. I understand. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening and we will talk
0: to you next week. Thank you. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an online teacher course. We've created a simple five day email based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba/slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.